This is Zombie Chickens Podcast, where two heads are better than one, even if they're undead. My name is Marne. And my name is Megan. And in this podcast, uh, this is the 11th podcast. Yes, yes it is the 11th, 11th episode, yes. Okay, so in this episode, or the series of episodes, we will be not interviewing, we will be... Do we, we will be exploring... Exploring, thank you. We will be exploring different cultures, different folklores. So in every episode, we will take a country and we will... Basically, each of us will find a folklore that we find interesting and we will tell the story about it and discuss it. So for this one, we decided on South Africa since it's our, it's our home country. So keep in mind with these stories that it is the stories we grew up with. Mm. There is so many um, different cultures and backgrounds and... Mm. Because um, we have 11 official languages. Yeah, so we have so many different ethnicities and backgrounds mm. and cultures in our country. So there's so many different folklores. So this is just like a fraction of what we actually have in South Africa. So mm. I would actually suggest if anyone is interested to go do research by themselves. Because even like... It's the, difficult. It's yes, very difficult because Sarah I was uh, so confused yes. and, con- and just just couldn't decide on what stories to do because it's just it's, it's so interesting yes and i chose ones that i grew up with that i actually sort of know that's why i chose them but we're like there's so many different like zulu and Kosa ones and all those Nibeli. ones there's there's so many different african folklores because there's so many that i actually saw but anyway so i'm just doing the ones that i grew up with because I just know it a bit more. I'll start with the Ghost of Uniondale. <laughs> I will be doing this because it was a, a request by my father so many times. Because um, yes. he obviously grew up with it. And as, everyone, as did know, I. everyone knows the story. And and everyone is scared of that yeah, story. And I feel like every, like every different area in South Africa had a different tale from the Ghost of Uniondale mm. because I remember it being very prominent in where I grew up. I think it's because you're closer. I, it was probably because we were closer but they spoke of it as if it happened in the town we grew up in. Mm. I'm like no it's it's not. But it's the same with the ghost story. I'm sort of interrupting you. No problem. Um, the ghost story of the ghost house in, in Gordons Bay. Oh yes. Now I knew Gordon's Bay quite quite well, even though I didn't live here then yeah. by then, because we went on very holidays to Roy House, which is very close, which is past um, Gordon's Bay, and yeah. we would always drive past the ghost house of Gordon's Bay, and that story is very much the same. And I mean that house stayed like that for almost more than what I can recall, more than 20 years, it stayed in a very run-down state. And only, I think, a couple of years ago when I drove past it again, I saw it was for sale. And only after that, when it was for sale or someone bought it, they made up the house again. So it looks quite nice now. But I think that story was um, something in the lines of 
a husband that murdered his wife and then he murdered himself. I can't even remember the story uh, anymore. So but it's murder sort of, suicide, basically. Isn't that like basically how most haunted house story starts? I really can't remember how that story started. I just remember as a child being very fascinated with that house yeah. because every single time we drove past, because remember, I know Royals very well. We yeah. went there almost every month. Yeah. Maybe twice a month we went there for a weekend because we always drove past or even just went to Gordon's Bay for the day and had ice cream at Uncle Barry's. Yeah. And you would sort of see that house. Or we would drive past that house because I was I would always ask my grandfather, please mm. can we drive past the house? Because <laughs> you know I found it very interesting, this ghost house of Gordon's Bay. Yeah, so see I don't really know much about it because by the time I moved here we were already older, so things mm. like that wasn't like It affects you differently. It affects you differently, especially because you hear these tales as a child and then you you fantasize about exactly. it. Exactly. You think about, oh shit, I saw someone in the window yeah. one time. It's just yeah. A I, I, I love I love ghost stories and hauntings and things like that. But like you say, it affects you differently when you're older. Mm. So and I don't think most a lot of I don't hear much about it mm. when I was when I moved here. Mm. I think by then it's you know it's an old story. It's, it's an old story. No one, no one cares anymore. And they think everyone knows about it. Yeah. They don't like. It's not a con- it's normal just, conversation, it's part just of conversation. It's funny for me how that house stayed, and I don't know who owned it. I, I can't remember. I think I should do some research about yeah, this house. Yes, definitely. Because <laughs> now, now thinking back, I just remember how interesting it was to see that house in that state. And I remember it's sort of on a, not on a cliff, but it's, um, help me out. It's like On a hill? Yes, basically on a very steep hill. Oh, and it's so between very, very, very expensive houses. We're talking about the houses. Oh, is it, there, is it there on the mountainside? I, I think I've shown you one or twice. Probably, but I, I you know, my memory is It's a is long shit. time ago, but it's a house between, you know, very really expensive, expensive houses. So it does look very weird. It does stand them. out. Yeah. So that's, I think, one of the reasons why, you know, it's sort of... People that didn't talk about it anymore yeah. because it's, it's such an old story. Okay. Mm. Well. Hmm. But anyway, your story. Yes. My story. The Ghost of Uniondale. The Ghost of Uniondale is probably South Africa's most well-known highway ghost. Mm. Um, and also, I will link all the sources we have used for this um, episode. I will link it in the description of the episode. Oh, and by the way, even to this day, the people of Uniondale still, like, tell new people about it. It's still an attraction for them. But it is, Uniondale is really, really tiny in South mm. Africa. It's a very... What Where's is Uniondale again? Um, mm. It's close to... You know, do you know where Bavionskloof is? Yeah, I've been to Bavionskloof. It's close to there. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's in that area. Which to our listeners will probably not know where that is, but yes. Um, it's a small town <laughs> in small South town. Africa. Yes. So the story starts on the evening of the 12th of April, 1968. And by the way, the 12th of April is one day after my birthday. So uh, <laughs> anyway, when a recently engaged couple, Maria Rue and G.M. Pretorius, very, very South African, very South African, were traveling from Hrofrenet 
to Riversdale. They, however, never made their destination. Pretorius lost control of the vehicle just outside Uniondale and they were involved in a horrible accident. Pretorius was injured and when the wreck was found by a local farmer the next morning, Maria was dead. A few years later, in 1976, motorists started seeing a woman in white alongside the road where the accident took place. Some motorists picked her up. Minutes later, they would hear a shrill laugh, the sound of a door closing and an icy chill would be felt inside the car. This became known as the ghost of Maria Ru. Of Maria Ru. I say it as if I'm not Afrikaans, but anyway. It is also said that the local police department kept some sugar water available to calm tourists who came to report seeing a ghost. The story further goes that Petrus got married a year after the tragic accident, and that is why Maria became restless. The fact that her fiance had found love in the arms of another woman. When Petrus himself died, in a car accident in 1984, Maria stopped appearing. She was appeased at last. Which, weirdly enough, I still heard of sightings. They say um, the story that um, she doesn't, didn't appear after 1984. But I remember as a child hearing stories of her appearing by that time as well. And that was like 1998 to about... 2000s. 2000s. Mm. So I remember reading um, people uh, citing her as well. But doesn't it remind you of that one episode in Supernatural? In Supernatural? When I first saw that episode in Supernatural, I was like, Ghost of Uniondale. <laughs> yes. I literally said it. I was like, that is... <laughs> A lady and why? That is purely the Ghost of Uniondale. And I think every single country has... A lady the, and why? Has a highway ghost. Mm. Because it's a thing in like... Korea as well and I know that from my K-dramas but I also um, I know in other countries that it might it is a thing as well mm. so it's not just in South Africa mm. everyone has a, everyone has a highway ghost mm. but I think there's more highway ghosts but this is the most well-known one mm. that it actually went from one state to the other state because remember Mm. where I grew up compared to where you grew up and we both know of the ghost of Union Day. Exactly. And we and we did both grow up with two different uh two different separate uh, provinces. Definitely. Yeah, we yeah. Know, we, we call, call it, it provinces but it's a state. It's a state, it's a state. basically. And we yeah, like Megan said, we both grew up in different states and we do know about the story because yeah. I know I think my grandfather told me about the ghost of Union Day or I read about it or it was told by someone at some you know, camp, school yeah. camp, where you heard about, you know, the ghost of Uniondale. Exactly. And like I said, I've been to Babiaan's Kloof. And the thing, like, my dad's family grew up close to Uniondale. So mm. they have a big history in that part of South Africa. And that's why he grew up with it. But even my mother, who lived also quite far away, closer towards... Quite far. Quite far away. Um... She also knew of the ghost of Uniondale. Mm, it's a very well-known story. It is a very well-known story. Yeah, so that's my story of a ghost of Uniondale. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so things like this is always... I feel like 
it's more towards like a myth or legend rather than mm. a folklore, but it still counts as one of those because it, it is something. It is definitely one that, especially that most of South Africa knows about it. Mm. Mm. Afrikaans people, I would say. Probably, I'm not sure about the English people. It's probably more towards Afrikaans because it it was an Afrikaans family. Mm. And not just that, but Afrikaans people are very superstitious. They are very superstitious. Yeah, but so is, um, like, I feel like the Corsas are also very... Corsas, Zulu, a lot of them as well. Yeah. So I feel feel like South Africa is just superstitious in general. Like, the Mm. whole of South Africa is just, like, even Africa is just, like... A superstitious. Superstitious, superstitious continent. Everyone was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Because I, like, <laughs> I have a friend that he actually had holy water with, he carried, went with holy water everywhere. And when he entered a room, he would throw holy water. I don't know if it was more to shock people around him or it was to actually... Fend, uh, like fend, fend out um, bad, spirit. bad spirits. But use sage, burn sage as you walk around. That's more, I think. Uh... Well, if you're in an enclosed space where there can't be smoke, um, I feel like the next best thing is holy water. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. So and people do do that. So that's I don't know if and that is pure superstition. Mm. Yeah. Or people walking um, along the street and whistling. Because back in the day when you whistled, it was a way to um, banishing bad spirits. And also whistling, whistling was also banned. Well, not banned. It was ill thought of to whistle in a, um, not an opera house, a... Um, theater? A theater. Because whistling was used for people to drop down the different sceneries. And they believed oh. that if you were down there and you whistled, a person would drop down a piece of scenery and you would die. You would die. Huh. Very, that very is... strong superstition in the theater. The theater. Hmm. I really thought people are just whistling when they're walking on the street because they're bored and they want to occupy their mind. Uh, that's m- mainly the cases, but, you know, back in the day, I want to say back in the day, but... Way back when people were more superstitious. That's how it probably started. Mm. Not just people minding their own business and just whistling a tune. I Mm. I can't whistle a tune, so that it's not happening. (laughs) It can't can't help me at all. (laughs) I could just normal whistle and that's just not... (laughs) Yes. That's not not very uh, entertaining. (laughs) Anyway, what is your story? Anyway, my story is one of my favorites, actually. Yeah. So it's the story of Van Hunks and his pipe. So just to give a little backstory, um, again, this is very Cape Townian, very, very, very Cape Townian. Those of you who don't know, we have Table Mountain. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. Educate yourself. Go read up about it. Um, and Table Mountain is smack in the middle. Natural wonders of the world. Natural wonders of the world. <laughs> yes, thank you. If you don't know, educate yourself. Go learn about it. I think that's the only reason why people know South Africa. And Cape, Cape Town. Town. Cape Town is because of Table Mountain. Definitely. And not just that, um, one of the other backstories that you need to understand is that we have a lot of wind in Cape Town. A mm. shitload of wind. Especially if the southeasterly comes. And 
something very interesting and I think we should probably oh, I wish we could actually put it in in with the with the episode it's just a, a photo of table mountain with this tablecloth we call it the tablecloth because it's a white not a mist it's sort of like a white cloud that sort of blows over table mountain it's actually quite beautiful but that that normally happens when we have wind but okay so do you know the story? You probably know the story because it's also a very well-known story. I actually do not know the story. Really? If I you, think I must have told you about it. Maybe, but that must have been like so long ago. I don't... Again, I only have so much brain capacity, so I need to reserve it for things that matter. Oh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> like K-dramas and anime. <laughs> So you're counting on me remembering the Fanunk story <laughs> that I've learned since primary school. See, we uh, because I lived so far away from Cape Town mm. when growing up, it's not something we spoke about. We spoke about Uniondale. Yeah, exactly. See, it's a, it's again, it's, it's like a provin- province thing yeah. or state thing if you want, if you must. If you must. Okay. So many years ago, when the first Dutchman came to to the Cape, Devil's Peak was still called Windberg. Now that's just Wind Mountain basically. Yeah. And Table Mountain had no white cloth. In those days, on the slopes of the mountain, lived a man called Van Hunks. His little house was the haunt of rough sailors and women and children were afraid of him and the law-abiding burghers of Cape Town eyed him with suspicion. So when one day Van Hunks sailed out of Cape Town harbour and vanished across the sea, no one missed him very much. For years and years he was gone and his little house stood empty while the weeds grew between the flagstones. Then, one day, Van Hunks came home again. But the man who swaggered up the Herengracht was a very different man from the Van Hunks who, was sell- who had sailed away all those years ago. He was booted and spurred with his buttons, which were blood-red rubies, winked in the sun, and he glittered all over, he glittered all over with silver and gold. There were pistols tucked in his belt, and the sword hung at his side. After him swaggered slaves carrying sea-chested bound, in iron and heavy with pirate's loot. For that is how Fanungs had grown rich. Many was the ship that he, he and his ruffians had sent to the bottom of the sea. Many the throat they'd cut to fill those chests with treasure. So he came back to live in a little house on the mountainside with his ill-gotten wealth. But he, he found he was very lonely. The people of Cape Town were afraid of his daggers and guns. They were afraid of the old pirate whose Richard had riches has cost the lives of men when the ships anchored in the bay he dared not go down and enjoy the bustle instead he would climb the slopes of the windberg to a cave where he sat and smoked in peace so when ships hove into sight their sails fat bellied with wind van hunks would take out his telescope and watch them by the by the hour and all the time he puffed his pipe while the gray smoke billowed out of the cave and if there were no ships in sight he kept an eye on the slaves tilling his land in the evening, he sat alone smoking his calabash pipe and fingered his pistols as he remembered the sea fight of days gone by. One day he sat smoking in the cave of the Windberg. A tall man dressed in black came up to the path. He was dark, strange-looking man with a long chimney pot hat. So I assume it was one of those massive... Um, top hats? What do you call it? Bowler hats? Top hats? Um, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln top hats? Yeah. Those massive ones? Mm. His boots didn't seem to fit his feet, for he walked stiffly, as if, were, as if he were lame. In his right hand he carried a long-stemmed pipe. 
Good day, Meneer, said the stranger, for in those days they still spoke Dutch at the Cape. He sat down, uninvited, on a rock beside the old pirate. May I ask your name? Everyone knows my name, said Van Hings gruffly. Where have you been, that you don't know me? Van Hings of Table Bay? The stranger laughed. I asked merely by the way, by the way of courtesy. I've heard of you. For some reason, Van Hings felt himself shiver. Tell me who you are, or I'll be off, he said. I don't like name-guessing. Oh, don't worry about me, said the dark man soothingly. All I meant was that we are both great pipe smokers, you and I. I see you have a fine calabash pipe and a large bag of tobacco. Now, where I come from, there's nothing we like more than a really good smoke. Is that so? Van Hings picked up his ears. Let me tell you something. I've sailed the seven seas and I could tell you tales that would turn your hair white. Now where in the world have I met a man who would outsmoke Van Hinks? And so he divided the tobacco into two big piles. They filled their pipes. Van Hinks struck a spark from his tinderbox, fired the wick and lit the pipes and the two of them began to puff while the smoke drifted in clouds from the cave and away on the wind. As they sat, the stranger regarded Van Hinks keenly from under his great black hat and complimented him on his excellent tobacco. And they swapped yards. And what yarns? Stories of sea battles and fearful murders, of sinners and their wicked deeds, each one more terrible than the last. And all the while, those two calabash pipes poured forth smoke till blowed from the cave and spread over the mountainside like a thick grey shawl. The birds flew away. Steenbach sought shelter in the thickets. The silver trees sighed and shuddered in the mist, misty wind, and the burghers of Cape Town stared up and wondered what had happened to their mountain. So horrible were these stories that Van Hings told that, that at last the stranger would, could, could only listen in silence. As he listened, he smoked, and as Van Hings talked, he smoked too. For days and nights they sat there, till that the world was drowned in smoke from their pipes. At last the stranger could smoke no more. He was green in the face and sick from the terrible shag of Van Hinks's uh, tobacco. Enough, he cried. No more. You have beaten me, Van Hinks. You smoke, you smoke your black tobacco like a madman. What did I tell you? crowed Van Hinks. Now, now you have to admit that Van Hinks of Table Bay is the greatest smoker of them all. Why, I'll wager I could outsmoke old Nick himself. Obviously, the devil. As he, as, as he said that the stranger began to laugh and he laughed so much that the chimney pot hat fell off and lo and behold on the crown of his head were two horns. Hmm. <laughs> Fanung stared in terror and he realized that the devil himself had come to fetch him. In his fear he offered him his finest whiskey and brandy if you could only go away and leave him yet a while. No, said the devil, you have outsmoked me. It is true, Fanung. You have won the first round but I shall win the second. Now, for it is time for you to join me in the land of fire and brimstone, where I, I assure you, will feel quite at home. But I have to tell you that it took some persuading before Fanings would go along with the devil, and they had quite a fight up there in the Windberg. Lightning snapped and thunder rumbled along the crags and wind from hell. The blackest southeaster you have ever heard howled over the saddle and blew down the white smoke that blotted out the mountain. When day dawned again and the wind had died and all the cloud has blown clean away, there was no sign of the devil or the old pirate. What became of Fanung's treasure and slaves, no one ever knew. 
But one thing is certain, even the, devils even the devil finds it hard to get along with Van Hunk sometimes. Now and then the two old scoundrels fall out and challenge one another to smoke in the cave on what we, know, what we now call Devil's Peak. The angrier they get, the harder the southeaster blows. And if they're furious, it howls over the saddle and then tosses high, high into the sky, and the great white shawls of smoke lie over Table Mountain. Smoke from the pipes of Funnings and the Devil. So that's the story of Funnings. Okay. And table, how Table Mountain got his cloth. Now I understand why I don't know it. And I don't think you've told me. <laughs> Is it? I thought I did. No. Okay. Okay. That's a very interesting way of thinking. That's why this the <laughs> clouds are over the mountains. So that was your story about um, Van Hunks and. What, what did you think about it? Um, it was good. It was interesting. Uh, like I said, <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. Um, they, I've seen his name a few times pop in up Cape in Town. In Cape Town, different... you see his name. I know there's a restaurant with the name Van Hunks. There's a pumpkin beer with the name Van Hunks. I think we drank it once. It was quite weird. I'm not spicy. Sure. But also in a different in the different folklore, there's more than one story about fun hunks. Hmm. Not just I saw a couple other ones as well. And I, I feel but it's in South Africa there's usually recurring characters mm. like the jackal, um the lion. The jackal the a lot because the jackal is normally normally, you know, referred to as the, uh, the, uh, the seatful. Yeah. So there's um, a lot of recurring characters in mm. uh, South African folklore. Mm. No, definitely. So what's your second one? My second one. So the next one I'll do is The Witch and of the Hicks River Valley. So this one I don't know that well because it's not where I grew up. It's from the Matruisberg. Mm, beautiful mountain range. Yes. So the story goes. The Hicks Valley is surrounded by high mountains. The highest peak is Matruisberg, where on the lower crags a lovely young woman makes her appearance on certain moonlit nights, crying and wringing her hands. But she has been dead for many long years. She was Eliza Meiring, daughter of a farmer whose housestead was not far from the foothills where Matrusberg rises from the vineyards. She lived in the middle years of the 19th century. She had many suitors because she was very beautiful, but she was also a bit spoiled and self-centered. She fell in love with a young man whose name was Franz. To satisfy her pride, she demanded that to marry her, Franz must first go and pick a red disa in the kloofs of the Matruisberg. Okay, so a kloof is a wooded ravine or a valley. Mm. The disa is a beautiful flower, but unfortunately it grows only in the most inaccessible places, mm. against steep mossy cliffs in shady ravines and gorges. Mm. So to pick a disa is an almost impossible task without mountaineering equipment, which did not exist in those years. Franz promised to bring her a red disa, for he loved Eliza with all his heart too. He went into the Groothoek kloof alone. 
<laughs> so that's like big corner <laughs> valley. <laughs> in, <laughs> saw the Dissas where they glowed in their beauty against a wet mossy cliff and tried to reach it. But as he reached for a precious flower, he slipped and fell to his death. When they brought Eliza the news that her lover had fallen to his death with a Dissa in his hand, she was beside herself with grief and remorse. In fact, she was so overcome because she had caused the death of her only love with her demand that she became mentally ill. And her parents kept her locked in a bedroom to watch over her. She scratched her name on the wooden windsill, Eliza, 1868. But one moonlit night, she broke out and escaped. Wearing only her long white nightgown, she went into the foothills and then up the trail Franz had taken. There, somewhere on a rocky outcrop, she sat down and sobbed. But the outcrop crumbled beneath her and she too fell to her death. Now Eliza still wanders the crags of the Matruisberg. Why do I say it in an English accent? Matruisberg. <laughs> <laughs> when the moon is full, a pale ghost in a long white dress. She is known in Afrikaans as the Hex van Hicksrevier. The witch. Which, is, uh, which means the witch of Hicks River. They renovated the house, the homestead of her father, and her name is actually still carved in the windowsill. Jesus. Yeah, so it is actually a true story, hmm. but the ghost is obviously... Hmm. It's based on a true story. I think most of these folklores are based on some, some sort. Sort, sort of true events. Yes. But can I tell you something interesting about the Disa? Mm. It's true. They literally only grow on very steep ridges. Yeah. It's very uh, difficult to find. The closest I can think of um, comparing this, this flower, it's actually a beautiful flower, you get them in different colors. The red one is the most common one. They're now on the extinct list. Yeah. Because they only grow in the Western Cape. Hmm. The closest flower I can represent to that is the Edelweiss. Because the Edelweiss also grows on um, steep cliffs. Yeah. And the only insect that pollinates the Disa is only found in the Western Cape. What? It's a butterfly. It's oh. a certain type of butterfly. So Not a pretty butterfly it's like a brown butterfly but it's, it's still a butterfly it's, it's the only butterfly and it's also i think on the extinct list that pollinates this flower damn and the disa is also the um flower of the western cape yeah flower of the western cape so if you watch rugby and if you ever seen um Vipia. Vipia play wp wp the western <laughs> province play rugby you would see that flower yes the flower in the in the as they crest. Yes. Mm. So that's an interesting thing about the, the Disa flower. Yeah. I never knew there was more than one species, but there is more than one. Hmm. And I think all of them are on the extinct list as well. Yeah. But it's a cool story. I think I've heard of it, but I never knew about the windowsill. That's quite scary. Yeah, that is quite scary. But it actually is to this day, it's still there, which is really crazy to think about, right? Yeah. But yeah, I've... I've never heard of it because obviously 
this mm. is more of a local to the area story. Mm. It's not necessarily if you don't such know a Mat- well-known... If you don't know the Matruisberg or the Hex River, yeah. you won't know of you, it. Yeah, you won't know of it. It's a beautiful area, yeah. though. So, the Hex van Hex Rivier. The mm. Hex van Hex Rivier. It's a nice thing to say. The Hex van Hex Rivier. <laughs> It is a very, yeah. And then you say it in English, which of Hicks River? Yeah. It, just, no, it doesn't flow. No, but that's just some of the Afrikaans idioms as well. It sounds really good in Afrikaans, but as soon as you translate it, it just, it loses its authenticity. Yeah, that but sense. I think with most languages, it tends to do that mm. because... Like the Bible. Yeah, it has that impact on the person in your country, in your language. In your language, yeah. And not only that, but lost in translation. Oh, definitely. 100%. Again, the Bible. Again, I don't really care. (laughs) I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, cool. (laughs) But if you take something something silly like um, Afrikaans idioms, it's like a monkey on a stick. Oh, monkey on a stick. Like a monkey on a stick. It doesn't make sense. But there's a lot of things if you directly translate it, it doesn't make sense. Mm. And then you're like, yeah. Oh, like a, a flurmur. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a, ta- a flurmur is Afrikaans for, for a, a tantrum. tantrum. But if you directly translate it, it's literally floor hitting or floor. Floor hitting would be... Would, would be, be the best explanation. Yes. Yeah. So we <laughs> do it very literal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's like again, you know, it's just a opera pastoki. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Sure. <laughs> I don't know why I'm keep, I'm I'm thinking. Speak of opera pastoki. I know actually, Shalistron actually or Shalistron actually did opera uh, pastoki once in the interview. They asked her about idioms and directly translating and, mm, and i think she yeah i remember that i think i've, I think saw, it, I've yeah. seen it it was it's quite a, funny it was actually i think she was with a nigerian actor was he nigerian mm. i think he was i can't remember they were talking about um idioms and things in their culture and their country mm. but yeah uh and your next story so my next story I actually never knew the story behind it mm. because this is also a very South African, not an idiom, it's something that happens. So the story is Jackal's throw with Wolf's throw. So it's just Jackal marries Wolf's wife. Yes. So this happens when the sun is shining and it's raining. Yes. So and this is also well known. This is known throughout the entire South Africa. Mm. Did you know the story behind it? Oh, yeah. Well, I've heard different variations. Yes. So I don't really know the exact one because throughout the years, obviously, it gets lost in translation. And, uh, not, yes, not only that, but there's a, a lot of variations. It's yeah. the same with Fanhunks as well. There's a there's lot so of vari- yeah. a lot of variations. I mean... It also depends on the region. Like, mm, yeah. Exactly. But I never really kind of knew the story behind it. I just knew... The saying of Jakob Strom with Wolf's Frau, if you must, you know, Jackal marries Wolf's wife. Yeah, like we, I grew up. You had summer rainfall. We had summer rainfall. So most of the time when it was raining, the sun was shining. Uh-huh. So we said it so much 
growing up and I think that's why I know more about that story because it have it occurred so often in certain where I grew up and where I grew up it, it's very rare yeah bec- it's very very rare yeah because you guys have winter rainfall oh. well we, you guys us we, we, we have we, winter, we have winter now as well. <laughs> we have winter rainfall what the fuck yeah but back then back, back then <laughs> Which is true because whenever I saw it, I thought, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. Because it's a very rare occurrence. Yeah. We had it, I think, a week ago. Yeah. And I explained it to um, a colleague of mine, which is English, and she doesn't understand yeah, it. And it's, it's, a a very, it's a very difficult thing to, to explain, explain. Mm. to say, this is Jekyll wanted to marry Wolf's wife. But in any case, let's go into the story. Yes. Jekyll is often depicted as a cunning and a mischievous character in local folklore, while Wolf is honest and sometimes easily fooled. Mm. Once again, Sneaky Jackal tries to fool Wolf. Wolf was going to get married. The date of the wedding was set and animals were coming from all over the land to celebrate the union. But Jackal was jealous of Wolf's new bride. And after having tried Wolf to tied Wolf to a tree to stop him from getting married, he went to the bride and convinced her to marry him instead of Wolf by lying about Wolf's, Wolf's intentions about towards her. From high above, the sun and the rain, seeing Jackal from his usual tricks, decided to intervene on Wolf's behalf. As the guests gathered for the wedding in the felt, the rain released a few drops that pitter-patted onto the guests and chased everyone un- un- inside for shelter. Once the guests went inside, sun came out again, glowing at the brightest and making it uncomfortably hot in the shelter, forcing the guests back into the open felt. Once again, the rain let forth its pitter-patter of droplets, chasing, chasing the guests inside. Again, the sun shone its brightest, chasing the guests outside. Back and forth, the rain and sun pitter-patted and shone brightly, stalling the ceremony until Wolf had freed himself from his bonds and made his way to the wedding to explain to his wife the awful trick that Jackal had played upon him, upon the happy couple. From then on, it had been said that whenever the sun shine, while it's raining, it is set, Jackal throw, mit Wolfsefrau. We might call it Jackal's throw mit Wolfsefrau, but you might know it better as a sun shower. Yeah, Weirdly enough, even growing up and seeing it so often, it was still... It's beautiful, isn't it's it? It's beautiful. It was still... And all the droplets yeah. are on, you know, every green surface, especially in, in where you grow up, where it's so green. Mm. And because we had... It was so hot. I usually... I went to go sit outside, even during the thunderstorms. I used to go sit outside and, like, I loved the smell of the warm... Um, it's a it's a very nice smell, I have to say. The warm, what do you call it? I said floor. <laughs> the warm street. The warm pavement. Yeah, the warm pavement, and then the water hitting it, and then it releases the smell. You could actually literally see the steam coming mm. from it, and it was so cool. I used to just go sit outside, and it was usually very big droplets. It's not like actual like rain. A mist- like a mist rain it's a, it's big droplets it's big mm. droplets and it's obviously a few it's not like a very hard rainfall mm. because obviously there's no clouds it would be fucking weird if there's a hard rainfall <laughs> so but it does it is a very beautiful sight mm. yeah so even seeing it every single summer almost every week mm. it was still such a magnificent magnificent 
<laughs> We're so, still such a beautiful thing to see every day. Yeah, it is. I mean, even though we we in, here in Cape Town or at the point where we get it very rarely, it's still something yeah. to behold. Because you sometimes do see a rainbow. Yeah, you do see on a the rainbow. dark side. Of and the now, because I I'm I haven't lived where I grew up in more than ten years. When I do see it now, it's almost almost like a nostalgic feeling. Yeah. So it's just it's that how beautiful it looks as combined with nostalgia. So mm. it's just I still love it. Exactly. It's, it's just funny to think about um, the differences. I mean in in summer rainfall and winter rain, rainfall and there's like literally a seven hour drive difference between depending where on I grew the, up the bit and where I grew up depending on how fast you drive it's usually about eight hours yeah yeah we did it in <laughs> seven hours but your dad did it in seven hours we did it in seven hours <laughs> no, it's usually about eight hours yeah say average eight hours we did it in seven <laughs> and it's quite funny you know the differences it, literally it, just, just the differences and not just that the differences in temperature in the sea oh yes the sea temperature and not just that the color of the fucking beach yeah. i can't get over it it's ugly i'm sorry it's ugly it's brown it's ugly i can't i'm not all the beaches in that area was brown i know the, the ones i've seen is yeah but you don't go to the right beaches <laughs> most of the ones i saw wasn't just brown it, it's a lot finer. Yellow as well. The the yellow as well. Mm. There's not a lot of white beaches. Mm. See, I grew up with, with white, white beaches. But also the sand, I feel like in those areas where I grew up, is a lot finer. Mm. And I think that's why it's darker. Mm. Because, yeah, it's more... It's bigger. It's bigger. It's more... You can Coarse. see the... Um, the shells. Mm. The seashells that's broken. Mixed with the sand where the beaches where i grew up there's not a lot of shells no, on the beach there's it's mostly just sand there's not a lot of mm. shells on the beach it's just funny you know how uh, but i feel like it's because the water is warmer yes definitely definitely because the warmer is so warm i just couldn't believe it the first yeah. time i stepped put my foot in those warm waters almost said cold waters those warm waters it's just unbelievable i and because i grew up with it i never knew how warm it was until i got here and, and i felt like my legs were going to fucking fro freeze off i did uh, do the mistake of swimming in the winter i oh, literally Jesus. came out pink <laughs> i'm surprised you and came there was out a pink. literal line of where the water stopped why did you do that to yourself I was young and stupid. I'm still stupid now, just old and stupid. But I was just—I I was a teenager. I was 16 years old, man. And we were enjoying ourselves and like—I mean, it was winter holiday, winter break, mm. I would say. And um, I was visiting a friend at her family beach house, and we decided let's just go to the beach because we're bored in the house. So we thought let's just go swim. But you could literally there was a literal line on my body from where the water i would be. literally believe you because i know for a fact in the summertime our water gets about what 22 degrees 
max, maybe 24. The shallow on, ends. Yeah, I just want to say, depending how deep you are. And the, in the, the shallow ends. Yeah. And that's in the summer, like dead in the summer. Yeah. So see, where I grew up, when you surf, you don't wear wetsuits. Because it's warm. It's warm. When you surf here, you always, doesn't matter You're if it's in the middle. Double bag, basically. Exactly. Doesn't matter if it's in the middle of summer, you still wear a wetsuit. You wear a, 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 a thick wetsuit, yeah. Mm. And you know what's the funniest thing? Now, if you go to the beach here, the beach beach water here is a bit warmer than it is in um, Lambert's Bay. Lambert's Bay. If you go to Lambert's Bay. So there it's cold. It's fucking See, cold. See, I was there during winter. It wasn't summer, so it was anyway cold. I was there in summer. It's fucking but we, cold. But we didn't go swim because I was with you. So why would we go swim? Mm. <laughs> mm. It's not nice. <laughs> I also, I like the ocean and I love swimming. It's just that I can't handle the salt water. Mm. And I feel, also, I feel like the salt level here is a lot higher than in, be. in where I grew up. Yeah, because um, I don't remember. My eyes did burn, even if I don't. I think it's also uh, probably the temperature as well. I just want to say, maybe it is the temperature as well. Because the water here is very cold. Yeah, so where yeah, it the salt level is so much higher for me. Mm. Okay, so for the next one, we yes. decided to do Japan. Yes, so next folklore is going to be Japan. Mm. And then follow us on our social medias. Tell us what you thought about our folklore um, episodes. We'd like to, to hear your voices. Yes, and if you have any suggestions or ideas for what we can do um, for future months' podcasts, that would be appreciated. As well as, please, if you can, support us on Patreon. It starts with only a dollar and fifty a month. Dollar fifty a month. I was just about to say. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I Yeah, it's it's friday Words, it's difficult you know um so definitely please support us if you can if you mm. can afford it um and that's, that's it. it cheers for years cheers for years